two, one. Welcome to the circus tent. We have our very first guest today, um, a very special person. I think uh, we met around 2013 during uh, HR Tech Europe, one of the biggest um, technology uh, trade shows um, in Europe regarding uh, HR. Um, the combination between people and IT where uh, I met a very special uh, person with surprisingly uh, similar background that uh, originates uh, from the Royal Marines. And yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me uh, announce his name. His name is Willem van Noordende. Welcome to the show, Willem. Thanks, thanks Gerrit. And it's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here and to be your first guest. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a cool experience. I remember you being on the stage, I think presenting Epical in your pilot's outfit, I think, and <laughs> winning the award. I think I brought, I was working for an HR consulting firm and I brought a, a Finnish tech provider and we were competing. It's like, who's this guy? And he came up with your uh, Marine Corps story. And it's like, hey, this, that sounds familiar. Let's, uh, let's have a chat with this guy. And Most definitely. Yeah. Well, it was, I think, in the uh, Okura yeah. Hotel uh, where we met uh, afterwards uh, or during the, uh, the event. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was indeed a very, uh, very funny period. Uh, actually, uh, we were. Uh, uh, finalizing our uh, second round of funding uh, with a venture capital fund and at the same time you know uh, you're also dealing with this uh, intense uh, pressure you know from from the startup competition which at that time uh, with the um, the organizing uh, company was uh, was brought very seriously to the world like hey this is important and especially if you looked at the uh, the previous winners at that time who uh, got acquired who uh, definitely uh, became uh, a unicorn in uh, a few years later um, so that was serious shit and uh, yeah it was i believe our very first conversation was like wow wow it's the same background and also the passion for uh, for people and, uh, and technology exactly yeah yeah i think uh we were just talking about it as well, right? Rec recognizing a sort of a kindred spirit when it comes to the background that we have and the sort of uh, yeah the education in uh, in the Marines, and then having this sort of interest in uh, in the crossover of yeah being a nerd in technology and HR, exactly, and and, and making something cool out of it as as a business, right? So, and yeah, we were we were different paths doing similar things, so uh, yeah, it was it was nice to connect and, uh, and take it from there. Yeah, the, the, the pilot suit was a was a rental at that time, but uh, yeah, it did it did, did the magic. I was uh, at the moment in time was really uh, proud that we uh, we made it, and uh, yeah, ever since uh, yeah, you remember those experiences uh, also uh, at the the time we met as as something special that has happened in the past and that can also bring you to some really nice initiatives in uh, in the future afterwards. Um, so, <clears throat> something about uh, yourself. Who, who is the man behind uh, Willem? Yeah, so who am I? It's a <laughs> lifelong question, right? So if you can answer that, then uh, I guess you can die happier maybe, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm born in, uh, uh, well, as we say in Dutch, under the smoke of Rotterdam, <laughs> close to Rotterdam. Um, in a, in a pretty religious family, so uh, got the Calvinist sort of work ethic from from a young boy. Um, um, yeah, really, I, I'm from a teaching family, by the way. So both my parents are teaching, 
uh, or were teaching. My, all my siblings were, uh, were teachers or somehow in education. So I got the sort of interest in how to educate people, but also realized that's not my path. Um, so from there, uh, um, yeah, how, how did the path continue? I, I, I started working a lot when I was a kid. Um, my, my parents always stimulated me to work with my hands and, and do things as part of that sort of work, work ethic um, that they had. And um, I always had this sort of dream to build a company. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, at least that was one of the dreams. Yeah. The other dream was maybe yeah, doing something with armed services and maybe inspired by all the youth books and, books and, and the movies, right? And, and um, the first, the first uh, uh, run was into becoming a fighter pilot, which didn't work out. Went to university, went to business school, graduated pretty young at the age of 21 and still felt like I don't want to sort of walk the, 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 the normal path, right? I mean, I've, I always yeah, was thinking a little bit different. First, I thought because the way I grew up in a religious family, I, I didn't want to be uh, yeah, religious. I didn't believe the same things. I always felt a bit like the black sheep out. And I thought it was because of that. Well, fast forward like 35 mm -hmm. years or 30 years, it's like, well, maybe it's something deeper. Now I see my kids as well with similar behavior and they can be whatever they want. We, we let them do whatever they want, but still they have that sort of behavior where they choose their own path. And sometimes it's like, well, I just want to be on my own. Or So it, it's nice that kind of mirror that kids give you, right? I mean, you have, you have kids. Yeah, definitely. It's side, side, side track. Um, so went, went, to, went to business school, went to uh, do something different afterwards. So joined the Marines, like you did, um, similar experience like you have, right? Joining the Marines, feeling like you're, you want to you wanna be on top of your game in whatever you do, right? So you joined the elite forces that we have here in the Netherlands, the Royal Netherlands Marine Corps. And arriving there, I, yeah, I didn't really feel at home. That's maybe sort of the shortest way to put it. So still did a lot of the basic training, learned a lot, wouldn't have want to miss it for the world. Um, but didn't didn't make it into my career in the end, and then I ventured into business, and um, then learning technology was sort of the, the hottest thing early uh, early zeros, so it was two thousand and one I think, uh, I started as a consultant in the old world of on premise learning technology, uh, sometimes flying to a data center somewhere in uh, in dark England with a CD ROM in my in my suitcase and uh, installing software and, and doing a lot of yeah, techie work. So I've, the first thing I did when I, I joined that consulting company was, was basically learning how to program, hands in the mud again. Uh, I like to, yeah, that it's part of but who no I am. No obstacle courses and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, different sort of mud. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, getting a grip of, of uh, it, the, the content that you're involved in is yeah, very much of who I am. I still do that today. I like to understand what I'm talking about. I hate the sort of paper managers that yeah, manage by the spreadsheet but don't get into uh, the details of, and, and don't understand what they really are operating and doing. Um, so from, the, from there, I worked a couple, of, a couple of years for a consulting company uh, and uh, founded a yeah, learning technology consulting company from there um, with, uh, with a couple of my best friends. And um, 
spend a good seven years, uh, well, basically having the time of, of our lives, growing that company into a consulting company of, of about 12 people, um, acquiring the, 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 yeah, the coolest uh, or at least the biggest brands everybody was mm -hmm. after in, in the space, like for, for the Netherlands, the, the, the Shell, and uh, we had DFA in, in, in the UK, for instance, BMQ, yeah. with lots of, lots of big companies. The, Nokia the big was... Big enterprises. Big enterprises. Nokia was, was the brand that, uh, or the company I was working with a lot. Um, and spend a lot of time in Finland, and uh, yeah, as uh, as the slogan said back then, Nokia connecting people. I uh, I found my wife, so a gorgeous Finnish woman, and uh, yeah, we're still happily married with uh, two beautiful uh, half Finnish daughters living, Amazing uh, story, living in Amsterdam. Man. So that's uh, yeah, maybe uh, yeah. Before fast forwarding back to uh, to to the current time, from from there onwards. Um, we had a bit of a, a fallout with one of the, the founders, spent a couple of years in court. Um, after that, had a pretty tough time uh, in really uh, yeah, thinking what I wanted to do. Um, because you have this, I, I started pretty young with the company and having this image of yourself as being a successful entrepreneur and suddenly your baby is dead. Um, the life that you had is, was very much defined by the, the work that you were doing and the people that you were working with and it's suddenly gone, right? So it's, it, it was, it's a very, very tough stop. So it, it took me, I think, yeah, a good two, three years to really sort of refine and reinvent myself and think of what I wanted to do. So I spent some time in, uh, in an IT consulting firm, wasn't really my cup of tea. Spent some time in a pure business HR consulting uh, firm. Uh, this was at the time we met, I think. Yeah. I was setting up, uh, yeah, the Dutch branch of a, of a large Finnish uh, uh, HR consulting firm, um, and then ended up with uh, with Cornerstone on demand, so uh, a big learning technology it's, provider, it's, it's a and big, it's a big enterprise. Uh, still there today. Company. Yeah. So. Wow, man, uh, this is uh, this is really a background with a lot of um, uh, transitions, um, different environments. Um, uh, and what I really uh, like about your background, it's also been a journey of exploration and, and to pick, uh, pick out some, some interesting <coughs> things you, uh, you talked about, uh, that you, you've been really early uh, in the mud uh, with your CD-ROM, uh, visiting data centers somewhere in, uh, in the UK. So really, uh, in, in the early stage of the process, um, um, you're already there after your period uh, in, the, uh, in the Royal Marines. Yeah, yeah, right after. I mean, I think it was um, after I got out, I did like a, I think a three month crash course in learning how to program. And then just starting and um, just, yeah, just really getting that experience. And one of the things that I think defines me as well is that I'm, I'm, I'm always hungry for knowledge and exploring new things. Yeah. Um, in, in the first role I had after I, I did the crash course, um, I, was, I was part of a, a support desk of one of the, the leading providers at the time, they were called Docent. Um, and I, I just learned how to program, but delivering support on like an on-premise application 
I mean, there's a lot of components, right? If you, you're from the technology it's background, so there's network, mm. there's certain, back then there's servers, there's web servers, there's all sorts of technology around this. I had no clue, so I had to learn on the job very quickly to be able to serve, uh, serve the clients uh, that I was in touch with. So that was, that was a great way to get up to speed quickly and sort of understand internet technology, understand Exactly. Uh, yeah, learning technology at the time, or talent technology, or that, it, that it became over time, or HCM is it, it's called now. So, and especially you know, <clears throat> that's where I'm curious about your um, connection uh, with people technology. Uh, I think right from the get-go, you had something like uh, you made the jump towards learning technology uh, setting. What do you lo like about the um, the people technology side of the business? Why did you make the decision to work there? I think I, I'm not sure if it was like a fully deliberate sort of architected move when I got in yeah. there. But the reason I'm, I'm still in there and I stayed in there for basically over 20 years now is that, uh, I mean, first of all, I, I mean, I like technology, right? I mean, uh, just, uh, it, I mean, it helps us in our daily lives, in our professional lives, a tremendous amount. Uh, and... Yeah, that, that's one component. The other thing is sort of the learning, like the continuous improvement. And I, I strongly believe that with the right sort of development, you can achieve anything, right? And that development is basically understanding where you are, mm -hmm. uh, benchmarking yourself against something, depending on what you're doing, and then find opportunities to make things better, right? And whether that's in business or whether that's running or like racing Strava, the Strava app yeah or yeah. racing a motorcycle or uh, yeah I mean there's just find that benchmark and learn find, find a way to improve and I think that's what learning technology or talent technology really gives yeah. you right so it's it's that nice overlap um, and I, next to that it was I mean it was a booming market it was a, it was a great sort of wave to serve you've, you've served it as well And, and still is. I mean, it's, you see, you've seen it go in waves, and at this moment we're still at a very hot uh, sort of wave of, uh, of, of HR technology, right? I mean, if you look at the funding of, of a lot of companies that are, uh, that are popping up. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. <coughs> it's, it's ridiculous indeed. If you look at the, um, the market in, uh, back uh, in 2013 uh, when we met, uh, it, it wasn't that hot, you know? It was... This was starting to warm up, but a lot of uh, investors at that time, you know, were really struggling to really f form an opinion about what do we think about this new upcoming HR tech market. And I think the U.S. Inv investors, well before the European market, were increasingly aware like, hey, if we relate this to, for instance, uh, existing CRM uh, vendors, um, ad tech uh, industry vendors who, are, who were able to build up, you know, a license base with customers, uh, re really helping out uh, big enterprises, sorting out their commercial problems. And if we relate that to the flip side of the, of the metal, uh, to the people operations, for instance, like, hey, that, that really makes sense. But it, it took quite some years to, to, to have this market uh, warmed up in the, in the right way. But the market is really hot right, uh, right now as we speak. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you've seen this sort of expanding and sort of contracting move, or maybe contracting is the wrong word, consolidating move. Yeah. It's like uh, in, in the, the early zeros, there was lots of startups, and then there was lots of the ERP suites, or the bigger ones absorbed them again. Then there was a new wave, 
and I think sort of the mid uh, tens, like uh, yeah, you saw the SAPs and the Oracles and, and, and even the Workday sort of swallow up a lot of the startups again. And I think the last couple of years, you, you again see lots of new startups in different sort of areas, right? In, in, in areas that we haven't seen before, like, like well-being, right? Which is, which is close to, to your heart and the topic of the circus tent. Yeah, but most there, there's tech coming up there as well, mental health, helping you in understanding how healthy is my workforce mentally or how can we give yeah. people tools. Indeed, to, to, and, and, yeah. and I think uh, what you're seeing right now is this spree you know, of new startups, new companies coming to the market. And, and at the same time, you have this kind of familiarized, familiarized trend that people are also thinking like, and you talk about the big uh, sponsors within the HR departments, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, chief HR officers, uh, the decision makers who have something like, what do we think about this new proposition that they are really like forming an opinion about it, still don't really get to the heart of, uh, of a solution uh, of a big problem they have uh, regarding the employee turnover, regarding uh, workplace stress, um, especially in, in the light of COVID. Uh, a lot of routines have changed quite drastically. So I think that's also a big opportunity for the vendors in the market, i.e. the startups, uh, young startups, uh, to, to really make their play, uh, fetch the potential. But at the same time, it's also this timing effect. And back in 2019, um, after uh, my period at Epical, I uh, co-founded a company called uh, Keypad, uh, which was all about employee well-being, and we, we all had figured it out. Um, but uh, all of a sudden, um, we really had to deal with, uh, with the situation that COVID came into the market, and to be frank, I also uh, talked to my co-founder about it extensively. We were just one year too early uh, in the market to really make this uh, a good potential project, uh, pr project um, and a potential strong startup uh, from it. So this, this timing effect is, is, uh, uh, comes really uh, uh, down to the the timing as absolutely well. yeah I, I think I, I read it I read some research not that long ago I, I don't remember where it was but they, they researched a number of success criteria of, of, of startups and I think timing was was in the top three of them uh, I mean and really the difference between yeah a successful multi-million slash maybe even billion dollar company versus going bust in a few years it's timing. Timing is, is, is crucial, right? Absolutely. It's uh, this, this specific thing that, that you really need to dive into, like is the market waiting for it? And even though when you talk to a lot of um, prospects, um, a lot of enterprises, potential users, it's not a guarantee that your uh, adventure will eventually make it. Uh, and of course, along the way, there are m many more vulnerabilities, risks, uh, but also opportunities uh, on the road that you can fetch. But this momentum, indeed, like you mentioned, is, 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 is critical. And, and I love the, um, uh, what you were saying about, you know, that this, this whole market development uh, brings out also a lot of new, um, new players, new startups. Um, uh, each of them, you know, uh, swimming through the ocean, through our nice Dutch rivers. Um, and especially, you know, uh, thinking also big, you know, of course there, there is this worldwide crisis, but 
yeah, we, we can do business uh, out of Amsterdam or, for instance, uh, here from the brewery in Dokkum, of all places. So this ambition, uh, that's something that I really, uh, really like. And in the, in the light of your, um, uh, perhaps we can also dive into that, um, to make that connection um, also with your existing role within uh, Cornerstone. Uh, you also must be seeing a lot of those young startups, some more mature than others, but um, how, how, what is your experience working with those, uh, those um, companies? Yeah, I think in that sense, the, the market in the Netherlands specifically has matured quite a bit over the, over the last maybe five years or so, right? I mean, you can see that there's, there's local vendors. I mean, you've worked, for instance, for Company Match, like yeah, uh, vendors that, that do really cool stuff. Um, um, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, another one I'm talking about, or if I should disclose the name, but it's, it's I mean, there, there's more technology companies that are really doing cool stuff that are fairly unique in their space. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking with a vendor as well that does like parsing of text of career sites, for instance, and, and sort of uh, take out um, uh, bias in the way job ads are written, for instance, or the way uh, the sort of audience that attracts uh, is attracted by a certain job ad, these kind of things. I mean, it's really cool technology, quite niche technology. And yeah, we, ha we have a lot more of it here. Um, I think you can see also that some of the, uh, some of the bigger uh, uh, successes that we have here and, and sort of the investment funds that came out of there are, are sort of being invested back in the market. And you see, uh, yeah, you see some nice, uh, nice companies popping up. Yeah, For sure. And I think uh, if you look at those teams uh, that are really um, uh, now operating in, in, in the center of the attention of a lot of um, HR departments, uh, either enterprises, but also in the corporate world, that people really try to understand, you know, how can we improve um, what, what I believe is a bit of an old fashioned wor word um, that was already present. Uh, and when we met and when, when I, we started with Epical, uh, it's all about employee engagement, uh, the buzzword. And, and now you're seeing that they're changing it to the experience side um, to really make sure that every step an employee is taking um, uh, is still taking place on the red carpet and, and sorting out all the potential risks that are, might pop up um, along the way. Uh, but are there any, any more uh, elements you see that uh, corporates are, are dealing with right now, what they are struggling with, also in the light of uh, the COVID uh, pandemic? Well, you, you see still uh, tech getting, uh, uh, getting more consolidated, right? Yeah. I mean, just this in the flow of work, you, you, this is a bit of a, a trend or a buzzword, if, if you will. Um, where basically give employees the technology at their fingertips to basically do what they want to do or do what they need to do with the HR department or with their own development in the tools that they spend their time in uh, during the day. And it could be Salesforce or it could be Microsoft Teams or these kind of things. Um, so that's that's something that is still, uh, still happening. I mean, often you see uh, yeah, the likes of Josh Person and these kind of yeah. guys you see talking about stuff and then they talk, it, 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 it's hype for a couple of months and then they move on to the next topic, right? Um, but before things actually get traction on, on the floor, in HR departments, in companies, it, 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 it takes a long time. Yeah. It and takes it, years. It's, uh, it takes years and you can still see, I mean, 
I still, I mean, spend a lot of time talking with companies that couldn't even produce a headcount report over 30 countries uh, within an hour. So, I mean, for, for a lot of companies, these are very sophisticated topics, right? And I mean, we are uh, maybe HR tech geeks, we always think a little bit ahead. But uh, I think in many cases, we're, we're running a bit too far ahead of the troops. And uh, I think there's, there's still a lot of work to really just get this, the, sort of the basic stuff adopted. That doesn't mean that uh, we all need to start working on payroll data and headcount reports. Uh, um, same as the analytics side of, uh, of the businesses that, that you uh, see the, the, the changing role of the chief financial officer uh, also being uh, implied towards the chief HR officer to have this cross analysis uh, of, of the workforce uh, globally in place, like uh, the pinpoint all the, the issues that might be present. Um, but yeah, still, I, th I think a lot of companies uh, to some extent are struggling, you know, to get the basics uh, really in, uh, in, in place. Yeah, I mean, I think just one of the things that I'm that, that we're as Cornerstone very much involved in right now is just uh, yeah, upskilling, reskilling, revolution, if that, if, yeah. if that is a thing. But you can see that, I mean, giving people the tools to really understand what they are, what they're good at, what they can do, what is in their backpack, so to say, what, what skills they have, but also what they really want to do uh, and giving them the tools to, to take their own path. I mean, that is, that is something that is, uh, yeah, still not really used by a lot of companies. A lot of companies, the way they do HR, they're in their ivory tower, sort yeah. of making plans, making headcount plans, making uh, making their nice career letters and their competency frameworks and all the kind of things. Uh, and basically the, the, the moment they, they hit print, as they sometimes do, yeah. uh, they're outdated and it needs a lot of work to keep these kind of things updated, right? Um, so I think slowly, slowly you can see a little bit of a mindset where, they're, where HR is moving more from, instead of being sort of the orchestrator of everything, yeah. we just need to make sure that the red carpet is out, that the signs are green, and that employees can do what they want to do and what they see as the most necessary thing to be yeah. better at their jobs. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe better at another job, yeah. and hopefully that's within your company. But uh, again, you see a lot of research that uh, leaders who have a growth mindset and actually give their people development opportunities yeah. um, are, are having so much more impact as a leader uh, and, and in the business. So facilitating that, that sort of mindset within the workforce, I think is, is really important. And I think it's, yeah, that bottom-up sort of approach. Um, basically what we were, we're talking about offline before we started about this sort of entrepreneurial spirit, right? I mean, making people sort of the entrepreneur in their, in, in their shop uh, and giving them a, a little bit more the abilities to make decisions. Exactly. Um, and, and, and give them also the tools to develop them uh, to yeah, to make to make these decisions if yeah. they don't have the skills yet. And if you really look at the the ownership that you can provide to to your workforce to to your employees, you also um, come to an important topic like yeah, we are talking about, uh, for instance, uh, the, the human uh, the human side of business, and there is also the resources side of business. And I, what I'm seeing in the market happening, um, and it's also what, what you're seeing right now, is that 
the, the market has been uh, over years influenced by the resources side, and which is still very important uh, for some companies, really important to have that one in place. But increasingly, we see also the human uh, side of uh, human resources, so to say, coming up. That yeah, if if you, if you do good, you get good, uh, and and. Yeah, that's what I believe is the interesting uh, trend here um, that allows people also to differentiate themselves um, in their markets, to, to become more competitive uh, towards getting talent in uh, because of the, the, the existing labor market uh, problems. But also to think about talent more from a circular perspective that um, ideally when someone is not um, uh, feeling that uh, happy uh, in, in, in existing role that that person is also able uh, throughout um, technology uh, what you're also doing with with reskilling um, to develop into a different role so that a company is able to retain uh, also this specific talent and to really extract the value of it that that not just the employee is happy but it works for uh, for also the employer side as well yeah absolutely and that's i think that's also a trend that that, that probably will pop up more and you see it now for instance with, with platforms like LinkedIn right yeah. you see it, it used to be like a sort of a business social network and then you had this sort of big wall of corporations and then you had their internal HR systems that wall is sort of sort of to crack and and disappearing slowly a little bit which raises a lot of interesting topics around sort of data privacy and and sharing of data right correct my data as an employee, let's say I do an assessment uh, in my company, in my, my corporate sort of software environment, that data, is that my data, is that data of the company, can I take that along? Um, and I think there, you, you will see the boundaries blur more over time. I think there's some, some interesting uh, uh, initi initiatives on yeah, creating more standards and more standards uh, between HR tech vendors to start sharing data. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's a very interesting movement, right? Um, to yeah, to give employees more tech and also give it give them some technology to help them in their careers, whether that's within the company they work for or or outside of it. And um, I, I would be very uh, uh, very happy to see, for instance, when you leave your employer to go to the next one. Yeah, well, USB stick is maybe already old fashioned, but you yeah. get this little file and. You can upload it into uh, the system of your next employer. You can choose what data you, you want to keep. And maybe we even have sort of a, a repository, which is more government owned, like your, um, your e-box, your, yeah. your, uh, your uh, yeah, whatever it's called in the different countries, right? But like the Berichtenbox in Nederland, yeah. you log in with your, your uh, national well, ID. Friends from the blue envelopes. And exactly, <laughs> and, and there's like a safe place of data, which is your data. Um, but with where you can give people access to. Um, <coughs> covering your uh, specific skills, uh, where you're strong at, um, uh, the things you, you, you're dreaming of, uh, that, that allows also a better potential match you know, with, the, with the new employer so that they can really fetch into like, hey, this is where you're at and we want to help you to bring that further. Yeah, I think that would be something a lot of employees or at least white collar employees would be interested in right I mean imagine that you have this I mean all the the, the nice badges that you got in your work uh, uh, in, in your 
corporate HR system or the, the positive performance reviews or maybe your skill assessment, all that is sort of part of who you are as, a, as an employee, if you could take that along and sort of yeah, build on top of that uh, and yeah, let the data help you and not so much to sort of give Big Brother and your next uh, employer access to that data, but just to build on top of that data. Well, I mean, what you see now, I mean, you hear every vendor is talking about AI, machine learning, big data, it's, yeah. it's, it's still a big topic. At the same time, we have GDPR, and you can see lots of companies are anonymizing data, so... A lot of restrictions. There, there's data being sort of flushed out at the same time. Sometimes you can anonymize data and still keep the statistics, but not, not always, right? So that there's this sort of conflicting thing um, that's like, well, there, there could be very interesting insights if you yeah. look at my career over the last 15 years and the way I've developed my skills, maybe over three, four, five employments, but how am, how am I going to get it? At this moment, it's probably LinkedIn that's going to give it to you. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn misses a lot of data as well, right? It doesn't have the sort of the inside information that uh, your employers have. Not the in-depth view. If you, if yeah. you really look at uh, you know, what's going on, uh, what, what did you feel at a specific moment? Why made, did you make the decision to, to um, take the job promotion or to change the role? And... So really on the personal side, I, I believe there, there's really the world to win because now it's really stop and go uh, uh, structured. Yeah? And, and, and if you look at LinkedIn and they're trying to improve that, but it's still uh, relatively superficial. And the devil yeah. is in the details, but also I believe the beauty of talent is in the details. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how cool would it be if, if you could yeah, take a lot of that kind of data back, right? I was, I was actually thinking, I think it was... When we started talking again, it's like before we, we when I was running through the selection of uh, for the Marines, we, we went through a, a ton of tests, right? Medical tests, psychological tests. It was actually really interesting to have, yeah, the observations of all these professionals at, at that time. Yeah. And and just sort of keep it in your in your personal files, right? And use that to build on. To and really see grow. How, yeah. Exactly, and see how you can use that data yeah. to develop yourself. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. angle, and, and I think the, 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 the feedback you and I got, you know, from the training staff back then, uh, and I still remember this uh, practical officer selection test uh, back in 1997. Uh, I was 17 years old, you know, um, uh, they were screaming at you, you know, shouting like, you idiot, um, you were jumping in the river, you had to swim, you know, and... and do all those crazy exercises, but I believe, you know, that was so rigid and at the same time also so professional in terms of how the selection process was uh, was organized that, yeah, the, the, the nice booklets, the notebooks they, um, uh, the training staff had um, is indeed, you know, soil. It's indeed... Potential growth. If you if you look at uh, you know what, what what's included in their notes, you know what do they think about you? Yeah, and I think the observations are probably very accurate, right? I mean, it's just putting the pressure on. Then you know, no matter what you're trying to hide, everything will come out when there's yeah. enough pressure, right? Yeah. Just remove uh, remove uh, a few hours of sleep and <laughs> maybe a bit of food, uh, and and apply some physical pressure. I mean, yeah, everyone's sort of basic. Definitely. Behavior and personality will come out. I mean, are, are you helping others or are you just turning inside or 
who are you and how are you behaving under under pressure? Very interesting data. Absolutely, yeah. and sometimes you really uh, need to uh, uh, get a kick underneath your butt, you know, to to see the light and to 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 move forward and to see the perspective. And I believe that, uh, especially that that training uh, side is really interesting. And yeah, it's 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 a pity to not exploit that uh, moving forward, like you just mentioned about you know having this digital portfolio uh, that, that, that you are able to, to own, you know, as a, as a professional. And, and not, not to say like as an employee, no, you're a professional, you're someone who's willing to contribute um, and to move on. And that brings me also to, uh, to uh, the very interesting um, uh, phase also in your career. And, and you, uh, you were explaining, um, uh, we're talking about, you know, the trends in the market and what we, sh we see happening now in, in, in the light of, uh, of HR and, and talent um, um, developments. Um, if you look at your uh, experience as an entrepreneur, I'm pretty much interested in, the, in that transition. Um, you, you completed quite some positions in, in your young life because we're still youngsters. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, we have big dreams, uh, and at the same time, you, you made a decision to, to uh, form a new company, you know, with, uh, with some buddies, uh, let's go, and, and I know this feeling, you know, of enthusiasm and, and conquer the world, and especially if you look at the conversations, um, uh, uh, what I remember from my time, you know, um, uh, you were already conquering the world uh, uh, when the journey was not even started yet. Uh, and and that, that specific feeling is really uh, interesting and uh, yeah, I believe it's also good to talk a little bit about your journey uh, as an entrepreneur, so to say. Yeah, I mean, that, that starting of a business, I mean, there's, there's nothing like having a, a group of people that are smart, that you like working with and sort of working towards a common goal, right? And especially when I started, we were doing a lot of projects abroad, consulting big corporates in the coolest cities, like we're doing turns in, in Singapore and London and Helsinki and, and New York, wherever. And just, yeah, spending time with uh, with people you really like working with. Um, and that's that's a magic feeling, right? That pressure cooker yeah. of sort of having a common purpose. And uh, I mean, yeah, we were, we were super productive uh, in a way. We were working day and night. We were working hard, we were playing hard. Um, and that, that, that feeling is adduct, uh, really addictive to, yeah, to grow that. We, we were still, I think, uh, yeah, a bunch of young dogs. And there's a lot of stuff we could, we could have done uh, different. But just, yeah, feeling like you're the owner of your, uh, your own destiny, right? And building that uh, and seeing it bear fruit, seeing customers liking what you do. That's, uh, that, that, that's a great feeling. And that's, that's one of the... Uh, addictive things, I yeah. think, of yeah, yeah, having your own business, and yeah. your own business, right? Seeing customers come back or being referred by your by good clients, that you get a call from another client, it's like, well, we hear that you guys are, are are the best in doing this type of consulting, so can you help us? I mean, yeah, there's there's nothing like that feeling. Yeah. Uh, that's the energy you get back, you know, from doing the right uh, the right thing, and and also to provide your expertise and. Indeed, uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's about pioneering, it's about pivoting, it's about uh, making decisions to sometimes quit. But when you have this fire burning, uh, yeah, that's the best you can get, um, that, that feeling, definitely. 
Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, and yeah, we were working towards that for for quite quite some years, and then yeah, one one of the co-founders sort of uh, opened a restaurant and, and opened another one and uh, didn't really deliver on the agreement that we had in in the founding team of yeah who would contribute what, and then in the beginning you're sort of coaching people or us or coaching, but it's like trying to 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 get things on track and. And eventually, yeah, you f- you feel like is this is this really going to happen, or are we uh, um, yeah are we being had here? But what's going on? Yeah. And for us, that w- that was a long and, and difficult journey. And after a few years, um, yeah, three of us uh, had, had to conclude like this this is not going to work anymore. So we uh, we had to get into court with. Uh, than the founder number four. Jesus. Yeah. And we spent we spent basically two years to uh, yeah to get the profits that we had agreed to get, uh, and the ownership structure of the company in place that we had we had agreed. And um, yeah, the problem was is that uh, the number four founder had extracted money from the company. It was a very complex uh, corporate structure with holdings, hired like forensic accountants to prove to. Uh, the judge basically that yeah. this was indeed something that was out of the ordinary and something was you wrong. You really have to prove it, and, yeah. and uh, seemingly that the yeah the the judge is not being able to to read a, an annual report or the report of these forensic accountants, and in the end being left with nothing after uh, after two years and uh, yeah having your uh, insane uh, man having insane. the company gone and just basically well the moment of course we started the litigation we knew. This is probably going to be the end of it, but yeah. we, we we just can't continue like this anymore. But that was that was very tough, um, and, and especially we started at a at a pretty young age. I think it was like twenty three or twenty four when yeah. we started the company. Yeah, really young and, and then young guns. Sort of, yeah, living the life, uh, building uh, yeah, building something great with with the great crew, and then being left with nothing after this, this time, or at least at that time, seemingly nothing. Uh, in in hindsight, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's like the MBA of life, right? That you financed. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> indeed. There's a lot. There's there's a lot, a lot of lessons to be uh, to be taken from that. I mean, one of the things, for instance, is is really to think think about the team and and put the agreements in place with the team of founders. Like, what is everybody contributing, and and making sure that you have means. Uh, to act if somebody is not delivering, uh, and also when it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and uh, exit. Exactly. And, and we spend a lot of time in trying to keep the gang together and um, yeah, helping people. I mean, the person that uh, um, that we uh, ended up suing was uh, yeah apparently having issues, so you try to help a person. Um, but at some point, yeah, I think you need to cut your losses, and we probably should have done it a lot earlier. That's definitely one of the yeah, the lessons learned from that. Um, but it's yeah, it it took me it took me a long time to get get rid of the sort of the the, the bad, anger and yeah, and yeah, the, the frustration. Bad taste and the frustration. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, every every single founder, no matter um, uh, how big your uh, founding team is. Um, everyone has a 
has their own reality and, and to some extent you have this camaraderie also uh, with the different uh, co-founders you want to, to keep the group uh, keep the team together through, through good and bad times and, and um, you can be, you become to some extent resilient to it um, but um, especially the, the question that I have uh, what I believe is very interesting to, to hear your thoughts about it like when did you really find out that something wasn't wasn't right here well you you challenge a person right i mean you have a certain agreement in our case it was like okay we need to yeah to reorganize the ownership yeah. of the uh, ownership structure of the of the legal entities that we have um and uh, start uh, basically issuing the dividends or the the uh, sharing the the profits that we had um, and when that literally for years didn't happen. Um, yeah, we tried to fix things and we started to discover more skeletons in the cupboard, like uh, invoices that weren't sent for, for hundreds of thousands of euros. Um, and yeah, things that did, just didn't add up. Um, and when, when, when you start to challenge a, a person who's yeah, doing these kind of things and you consistently get sort of fluffy answers, at some point, of course, yeah. uh, you feel like hey, your 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 patience is through, right? Whatever the kind of stories that a person might make up about mental health or whatever, um, and yeah, we 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 were getting to a point where we started recording conversations, even because we just wanted to have some yeah. evidence. Because uh, yeah, he'd engineered things engineered things in such a smart way that. There was nothing really on paper, so uh, but we had a lot of verbal yeah. agreements on, and uh, that agreements. the four of us had made, uh, even sometimes uh, in presence of, of our accountants, and um, so we wanted to have more proof. We started recording that, uh, and in the end, it didn't hold up in court, uh, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think it's back to making simple agreements. Uh, and cutting your losses if things don't materialize. Exactly. If somebody really doesn't produce, and you really and, know, and you've given <clears throat> them really ample time to to act on it, and they don't. Yeah. Rip what off can you the do? bandage. You rip off the bandage. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, that that's uh, I think an important lesson to take. And another one is maybe uh, about personalities. Uh, I'm convinced that the guy uh, had uh, narcissistic personality disorder. And I think that's sort of a wider issue that you see causing a lot of yeah. fallout in business. Narcissistic, like like not just a bit of narcissism, but yeah. really narcissistic personality disorder. Exactly. Like people who are just unable to sort of uh, feel the empathy to the story of the other person yeah. and really think that they are, uh, yeah, the, <coughs> the God-given savior yeah, and to, the, to mankind and they've contributed everything. And that they well, justify, that it justifies, you know, their decision to, for instance, uh, put money and help other people and, and they're able to, uh, to look uh, to themselves in, in the mirror in the right way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so ha having a good understanding, I think, of the personality uh, types of, of your co-founders if you're starting up is, is crucial. Yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah, the spotting narcissistic personality disorder is it may be a risk mitigation perspective, but the other perspective is, is a lot more positive and an angle I, I really like as well. And that's engineering your team for diversity. 
uh, when I was with uh, with HR4, the HR uh, consulting company I was uh, I was working for when we met. Uh, one of the things we did when we were growing the company is that um, also as a sort of an engagement thing, we did this yeah. uh, personality test and started sort of finding out like, uh, I think it was like an insights or a poppy or one of these sort of tests to find out like, who are you and what what are your preferences and what sort of person are you to find out like how can we build a team that is not only blue or red people and we have a complete sort of blind spot on sort of the green and the caring yeah. side so um, and that was a really interesting experience because I think it, it, I, I, I got some feedback once from a customer meeting that made me realize how powerful it was and they said it's like oh this guy, the, the, the one guy, or maybe it was me, or I don't know, didn't really sort of make an impression on uh, like uh, the colleague that he had in a meeting. Um, but I was with another colleague who had a completely different profile. It was a bit more sort of yellow, if yeah, you look at yeah, the, yeah. the colors. And they completely hit it off together. So together with the different sort of uh, spread of, of yeah, skills and personality that we brought, we were able to convince the team on the, uh, on the ta at the table yeah, of the customer. Exactly. And also when you're growing a company, right? I mean, you're, you're not serving one type of people. Your, 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 your customers, they're gonna be a mix of people and personalities. So you need to have these different angles also just to, to keep yourself whole as a founder, as a founding team to get these different angles. You're totally right yeah. about it. And, and, and I think, so, so Surprisingly, that a lot of investors, uh, but also um, if you look at um, uh, purchasing departments uh, who are offering, you know, uh, um, six-digit uh, deals to external vendors, you really hand over like, what does the team look like? You know, investing six, seven million in a startup. Who are doing it? And yeah. What's the team dynamics? And that, that's a crazy thing that's still not happening in the right way. That you have this, this, of course, financial due diligence, commercial due diligence, go over the contracts, uh, legal due diligence, um, but the people due diligence. Exactly. I mean, we spoke about timing as one of the, the, yeah. the key criteria, but I think the founding, the founding team uh, is, is probably uh, another yeah, one of the top three ones, right? Uh, so that the personalities, the way people interact, the relationships between the people, I mean, yeah, absolutely crucial and I think the, the key success criteria to, uh, yeah, to a nice company. Definitely. And I think those are really important lessons um, to, to draw from the situation. And like you mentioned, and uh, I believe that's the that's really right way to approach it. You know, it's the university of life. Uh, to some extent, you know, we, we make decisions and like you did also with your, um, uh, with your buddies, uh, the other co-founders, you, you set sail, um, you had a momentum, uh, you were working with great clients, nice blue, blue chip uh, customers, you were gaining this experience uh, and at the same time, you know, you're, you're, you're having the most favorite job in the world, you know, the best you, you, you ever had um, and then you, you have all of these, these unforeseen opportunities, uh, risks, uh, also relating uh, with, with your co-founder. Um, 
with, with narcissistic behavior and, and decisions that were to some extent becoming suboptimal uh, and, and becoming too drastic, you know, with, with no money, no resources anymore, and that you had to, to put the company uh, back to, uh, to sleep on the bed and, and move on. Exactly, yeah, and that's, uh, yeah, that, that's where you can see sort of the ultimate risk is uh, in the end, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, one of the things as well, I'd, maybe an interesting uh, uh, insight to share is, I mean, I, I lost trust in uh, trust in people, or at least in, in definitely in, in, in number four of the yeah. founders. Um, but it, I also deliberately decided for myself, I, I will keep on trusting people after yeah. this experience. Um, I, it might happen again, um, but still, I, I do feel like the what gives me energy is sort of sometimes just jumping into things with people, right? Just starting and see where it takes you. And I think that it's important not to lose that. Um, but it's just, yeah, maybe with a little sort of voice in the back of your head yeah. uh, to... Uh, or antennas being Yeah, or, or at least, yeah, antennas on when, when, there's, uh, when there's stuff that you should probably be aware of and, and mitigate, but yeah don't compromise your trust. I think it's, it's important to still um, trust people. Yeah, believe in them. And, and, and even though you have a bad experience, uh, and you might have a bad, bad experience again, still giving trust to people brings you so much more than turning into a sour, distrustful person. Because that, that closes uh, yeah, a lot more doors, I think, and brings you a lot more uh, bad experiences than just yeah, going on your face again. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, definitely. And that's also what, what you're trying to say here is also about, you know, the importance of the journey itself. And of course, there are a lot of uh, startup founders, uh, founding teams who have this dream, you know, I, I meet with them quite regularly on the university, for instance, like, I want to become financially independent. You know, that's one of their um, um, main objectives, you know, become financially uh, independent. And when you ask to, to, to those young aspiring people the question like, hey, how are you going to approach that? And uh, sometimes um, uh, the answer uh, they provide to me is quite silent, you know, yeah, less, we're just going to work. Uh, we're just going to work very hard, harder than any other uh, person. And yeah, then they automatically come to the conclusion like there is much more involved. And I believe what, what you're trying, uh, what you're saying here is that, um, also, being an entrepreneur um, and human being at the same time, that's really important also for yourself to be aware of the fact you're, you're human. And, and that means that, especially when you're sitting in, uh, in the founding team, that you have this ambition um, to really uh, get your business off the ground, to take it to the next level, and that you also realize, you know, that, that it's... it's, it's okay to, 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 to trust others and to, to have this faith in, 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 in your co-founding team and to some extent also to, to, to lean back a bit because it's very typical in startup teams you know, to simply go and to jump in an airplane to have these crazy meetings with customers and to, to have to sign deals you know, and, 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 and then go out and, and, and have some nice, uh, nice beers, uh, nice drinks. Uh, nice dinners, but at the same time, if you, if you take this moment, you know, to really lean back, like, hey, what, what am I seeing here? Am I happy? Is this dynamic, yeah, like you just mentioned, 
doesn't matter if you do disk or, or insights or whatsoever, MBTI. If you have this discussion about it, it really brings also the, uh, the elephants in the room to talk about it. Like, hey, um, I'm not feeling right about this. Uh, and it allows you to also make decisions faster because this, this startup thing is, I believe, is also a so, some sort of family system you're building. Um, and, and, and it take, takes indeed uh, a lot of time, even years after uh, your adventure has, um, has been stopped. Um, to, to really get rid of that family system and to really, you know, start trusting people again and to really enjoy uh, the, the beautiful side of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's, I think it, it comes back to like one of your main themes, right? Being, being vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, trusting is in a way being vulnerable, right? Because you, you don't always know when people are going to, to misuse your trust. But still, in most cases, people won't. Yeah. So why let these, yeah, these couple of exceptions rule your your way of thinking, right? And I think um, that that's an important mindset. Uh, and I think it's it's in a way similar to failure, right? Uh, because the way I think the Dutch culture is very much yeah. failure is not very well accepted. No. It's maybe not so much as in an American culture that. I mean, uh, you rise a, again. <laughs> a failure is a notch on your belt, and you're on for the next one. Yeah. Um, I think that, and that's maybe also the sort of the Calvinistic background we have in the country, right? Yeah. I mean, you work hard and you don't fail. I mean, and I think failure is fine. I mean, you, and you see companies starting to embrace that more and more. It's like without failure. I mean, if you don't accept failure, the the one-to-one -one implication of that is that you create risk-averse cultures, yeah, right? Correct. People don't want to take any risk. They want to call it within the lines. Um, and you get sort of, uh, uh, yeah, people who all walk walk the same line. It's you're going to get behavior, you know. Exactly. Hurt. And you, you're going to be blindsided in one way or the other if, if you create that kind of a culture. So embracing uh, that opportunity of failure yeah. or maybe even stimulating it. I mean, that's maybe the next level. Um, I see that with, with the kids now as well, right? I mean, sort of, uh, yeah, they, they, they have a similar sort of personality where they're really punishing themselves if something goes wrong and they're perfectionists. It's like, I mean, learning is failing, right? Because exactly. you, that's the beautiful you learn the most from failure. So why, why can't we just embrace that? Yeah. I'm also actually, fa failing yeah. as, uh, as we speak because uh, I have had uh, Dutch IPA with too much water. So uh, we're going to break quickly. Um, my apologies. And then uh, we continue uh, with the conversation. And I really like the uh, point of view about failing. All right, we're back <laughs> after a short uh, pitch stop. Sometimes uh, also as an entrepreneur, that's important to lean back. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess we left off... Um, um, to really talk about the importance of failure to, to, to grow. Absolutely, I think, I mean, sort of pressure creates strength, right? I mean, if you go to the gym and you're bench pressing 10 kilos, you're not getting a lot of effect. Probably if you take 100, you might get some, somewhere, right? And I think it's the same with everything. Um, so the, the bigger the events are that are working towards you, the more creative you have to be, right, to overcome those events, or the, the more resilient you have to be, or the more skills you have to develop to tackle the problem. So, and I think that's 
that's why I think failure is is essential to to get stronger. And um, I think, yeah, if if we would ever start uh, a new company, and one day I probably will, um, that is one of the things I would like to incorporate in sort of the culture of the company, right? And how can you create lots of small failures? And failure is a very negatively sounding yeah. word, right? I would rather call it experiments. Yeah, uh, that's a good word and to put it. Just to try things out. And I mean, my wife is Finnish. And in, in, in the Finnish word for, uh, for entrepreneurs, uritea. And if I translate it correctly with my limited amount of Finnish, but it's the, the literal meaning, I think, is to try, the trier, yeah. try things. And I think, I hope it's correct, but at least it's, I think that's the, essence, uh, the essence of being an entrepreneur, right? You try things. And uh, you stick to the stuff that works and you toss the stuff that doesn't work. And if, if you can embrace that sort of mindset and, and incorporate it in your culture and the way your organization works, I think then you're going to be unbeatable. Especially, I mean, I mean everybody's talking about agile and how to adapt. Um, I think, yeah, the organizations that can adapt, human beings that can yeah. adapt, they will stick around longest. They will be the most effective uh, and I think that's yeah, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I think those are, those are be- beautiful um, analysis in terms of how you can look at failure. Um, and I think you know what the aspect um, that really addresses also the human side of of, of an entrepreneur is that you know uh, we might be crazy as an entrepreneur, or from the outside people look at us like, what are you doing? But at the same time, you know, like like your, your your wife was saying, it's about trying things out and to have this vision in, in, in your head, like think about the future and you're able to sometimes grab the future and really say like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Of course, then you might be one year early or a few years too late, but if, if, you, if you're trying it over and over again, not being withheld by this your thought in your head like okay if I'm going to do it again yeah no I'm not up for it I don't have the energy anymore but if you let go of that negative thought and and to really open up uh, also your willingness to 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 make an impact and to try these things then at some point you know you will persist and you will succeed and you become unbeatable in, I believe, a very uh, human way, because you have had all those, you know, beautiful life lessons, those learnings, you're able to 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 share with your children, to share with your future employees, to share with your friends, to share with the, with the world, and that's actually what, what you and I are doing right now here in uh, in the tent in a warm, comfy brewery. Exactly. Yeah, and I I, I think that. That mindset, uh, that that mindset is uh, is crucial. I'm trying to find what I was you, you were talking, and I was just adding something. I wanted to add to that, and never mind, it'll, it'll, it'll get back to me. Um, but yet, yeah, let, let's continue with the next no, one. It'll come no, back no, to me. No worries. <laughs> if, if you if you make the bridge. Uh, t- towards you, where uh, we're just kind of like hinting a bit, like you know, I don't, there, there might be a, a, a new adventure upcoming. Um, 
I'm very, very uh, interested to also learn like, hey, what, what, what would be your next big thing here? Um, especially what you told me also before the show started, yeah, you have really uh, this, this intrapreneurial role, you know, you're able to meet with a variety of partners and help out the clients and, and I believe in a very um, positive company culture, which, which, is, um, which is a good fundament to, to, to also to thrive and to develop. But at the same time, you know, you have this feeling like uh, uh, this, this, this animal smell of being an entrepreneur or, or having been an entrepreneur. Yeah, it, there, there's always this itch, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's all about, I mean, I do notice uh, getting older, having a family, especially with young children, uh, and and having uh, having yeah done one of uh, one or a few of these iterations, yeah. it, you know what it takes, right? And uh, it, it probably uh, makes me taking it a bit uh, uh, yeah more deliberate than just jumping into it than uh, like I would have before. But still, definitely the the itch is there. One day will probably uh, happen again. Um, and and my approach has been throughout throughout. Well, basically my whole career is just yeah, development, fill, fill the backpack with skills. Um, one, of, one of the reasons, for instance, why uh, I joined HR4, the company uh, we talked about, yeah. um, was because I, I'd spend a lot of time in tech. Uh, I'd spend a lot of time talking to learning and development uh, professionals and, and HR departments, but I'd never seen the full spectrum of what they'd done. I'd never really... Uh, talk to uh, a board and see how HR uh, could make an impact on the strategy of the company and yeah, do consulting, for instance. How can you set up uh, uh, a reward policy that really contributes to the, the, the strategy of the company or set up a, f a performance management strategy or, or tools for performance management that, yeah. that really help that company to achieve their goals? And those kind of things I picked up from there. I wanted to sort of try again, try uh, things, learn things. When I was done with that, and uh, or at least I, I didn't want to con continue that path, I wanted to learn uh, how a bigger software company is doing sales, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd done sales, I'd done sort of account management from sort of from a solution selling or a consulting perspective, yeah. but uh, doing uh, sales almost on an industri industrial scale like uh, at the time publicly traded uh, SaaS company would is a different sort of league. And uh, just having gone through the experience, I've, I, yeah, I've learned a tremendous amount on how to, how to run a sales organization, how to set it up and how to uh, run complex, uh, large sales, sales cycles. So, and and that's, that's great experience and I really in, enjoy that ride. And one of the things that we're doing now um, is to do something similar, but through a partner network. So through a channel, like instead of through the team that you yeah. have in-house, how can you amplify that and create a network of people that, that scream your company's brand name? And uh, that's, that's another new, new skill for me. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great to learn. And that, that's been my approach to my career. There's always step stones, there's always interesting skills that I want to pick up and, uh, and stick really around for. Learning curves, you know, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, hopefully one day that will result into something new. I mean, there's there's plenty of ideas. Um, maybe another thing that actually would that that just popped out of my head. Um, 
but it's uh, being immersed in the space that you want to be active in, right? So the trying gives you certain skills, but there's a lot of people who's like, okay, I, I really like this and this, and I would like, I would love to make yeah. my uh, my company operate in this space or just immerse yourself in that space, talk to talk to all sorts of different people and see how they work, just learn from them. What are they doing and why are they doing things and what doesn't work in, in the whole value chain or in, yeah, uh, and, really and the problems. Just, uh, exactly, they're, just, they're just soak, that, soak, soak that up. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I remember, I think it's, maybe my dad told me in the, in the past days, if you, want, if you want to get wet, you have to get in the rain, right? And that, that's with this as well. If you want to do something, if you want to be successful in the space, you have to be there, you have to, you have to immerse yourself in it. You have to identify what, what people are yeah. successful, what companies are successful, why are they successful, what skills do they have, how can I get these skills, how can I build the networks that these people have, how can I get in these networks. Uh, and yeah, if, if you get into that and if you gather a team of, of, of smart and, uh, um, and, and cool people around you, then you'll, you will succeed. Because, I mean, there, there's a lot of sort of myth around startups. And I think there's a lot of myth around the sort of the importance of a good idea. Yeah. Um, but I think timing and the right team are way more important than, uh, than the right idea. I mean, yeah, look, look at the, the, the history of the, a lot of the unicorns out there. I mean, they weren't the first. Their idea wasn't revolutionary. But they, the timing was right and they had a good team. And they were persisting in trying to make it. <coughs> and I think, you know, yeah. uh, to, to add to that, uh, they, they, they were connected also with their cells. And I believe that um, is where, where, where in a lot of situations it can also go wrong, you know, for an ambitious startup that, that eventually the people are not connected to the target market. If you want to get wet, jump in the rain. Uh, and I think that's a crucial lesson there. You have to be connected uh, with yourself, connected to the market if you really are not that well connected, that it does not give you that energy if you're not curious about it, to really reach out to potential uh, customers, to have a coffee, to really listen carefully to what's going on. Um, even then, if you just have this conversation uh, with the prospective customer, you're, you're able to build this relationship. And when something is not happening, you know, at, at your earliest convenience, um, you need to ask yourself the question like, hey, do I have that connection? I believe that's a very valid point. Yeah, these, uh, these, these feedback loops are, are crucial, right? Because with a, yeah, without the right feedback, you might be dreaming up something crazy. I mean, you never know. You need to test your ideas. You might have a great idea, but definitely. unless it's confirmed by your target audience or experts in the space, yeah, you just don't know. So, and I think that that applies on all levels, right? To to the level of a company, but also to the level of maybe a skill. I mean, am I really good in this? I mean, maybe I should ask a colleague who's seen me do it. Um, and yeah, just ask for feedback, very simple. Um, yeah, and to be able to, to also delegate tasks and, and, and to also, uh, yeah, work on this basis of trust, of course, but at the same time to really identify like, hey, this is my superpower to really bring this um, specific task. Uh, also, when you're 
present in a certain phase, yeah, just starting up, it's important, you know, to have this continuous push towards your product, push towards your clients, to be, be continuously focused. Um, that's where it's also important to realize, like, hey, am I fit for face in the next stage of, of, of the company's growth? Or is this too stressful for me? Or uh, I just simply love building new, new companies. That's also a conclusion that, that you can, uh, can draw. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, just 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 planning ahead and uh, yeah, building the right skills, right? Identifying the skills that you um, th that you need. I mean, I think w one one of the things uh, <laughs> that that you uh, that you sent me uh, in, in preparation of this this podcast is like, what what is your favorite act in the circus, right? Yeah. And I thought about this, and uh, what I actually think is my favorite act is the evil Knievel jump with a motorcycle through a flaming yeah, yeah, yeah. a There's flaming a ring, ring. Of fire. like this insanely long jump and you need to commit to it right i mean there's a couple of things why i like this i mean you need to plan it out well because if you don't plan it you're going to literally hit the ground or the wall or whatever uh, and you're going to literally crash and burn so you need to you need to prep and do the math and be smart about planning things out right and once you've done that and once you've got, and you need to develop the skills, right? Can I actually handle the motorcycle to, to make that jump? Yeah. Do I know what throttle position I need to have? Do I know where I will land? Do I know what my body position will have to be? All these kind of skills that you need, identify yeah, them and practice them. Yeah. And then once you're confident that you have done the right planning, that you've built the right skills, you have to commit and just fucking do it. And that's also, you have to, you, know, you have to stare it in the face and you have to do it. And if you, if you hesitate, if you close that throttle yeah, at the wrong yeah. moment, you're still going to crash and burn despite all your prep. So you have to commit and trust yourself. I've built these skills. I know I can do this. I've practiced it. I will do this. And I will just keep the throttle open until exactly. I, I, <laughs> I see that flaming ring sort of pass yeah. by in the corners of my eye and I land safely again. And, yeah. and make this <laughs> nice, nice turn in the end. <laughs> exactly. <you> know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's, it's very much like, you know, um, if you look at also uh, the conversation we, we had over the the, uh, the last hour or so, it's, if you look at all those transitions, um, even when you're working, you know, in a big corporate, uh, being an entrepreneur, I think there are so many lessons, you know, you can, can apply to this specific um, aspect of, of trying things filling your backpack yeah, with this experience yeah? and also what you mentioned about this this uh, quite impactful experience uh, you had also uh, with, with your co-founding team you had to stop the company is that uh, in the end you know it's also about being decisive uh, and all these things you know happen in your life for for a reason to give you a signal like hey this is you should you should get better you know this this mistake is especially for you to get uh, the most out of it. And uh, I believe that's also the beautiful side of, of being an entrepreneur, of being a human being in the end, you know, that we have this journey you know, to, to really fetch uh, all the fruits out of our trees of uh, learning to get better, a better human, a better professional, a better father, uh, and eventually to, to live a crazy, uh, beautiful life. Willem, thank you exactly. so much. For, uh, for being part of the show. It's a bit uh, uh, of, a, of a special uh, uh, session. First guest 
really happy uh, you were able to, to join me uh, in the show of the tent. And uh, thank you once again for being part of it. Well, thank you for, for having me. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was good to, to catch up and it was good to, uh, yeah, to share to all of you listening a little bit of, uh, uh, of my experience. And uh, yeah, hope you, uh, you have some use of it. Yeah, most definitely. I believe the, the, the lessons um, you, you talked about, you know, uh, uh, also thank you for your openness uh, are really not just interesting, but also um, very constructive for, for people who are out there um, struggling with situations um, that are quite similar. And I think uh, all in all, you know, there's not too much difference between the, the, the so-called co-founding drama, uh, startup failures. Uh, there, there are a lot of uh, similar situations and I believe that this, this um, talk also uh, gives you inspiration, uh, gives you also strength, you know, like, hey, this, uh, this is a note to self. Um, like you mentioned about the, the, the team dynamics, uh, I think that's simply invaluable. Uh, for startup teams to realize, to simply to, to take this moment to lean back because being uh, this energetic startup founder, you know, uh, by heart, you know, that we are not programmed for that to, to lean back and to, to, to be um, aware of that situation. And I think that's a big uh, learning to take uh, out of this uh, 15th act of the tent. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you again. Likewise.